Welcome to the Plebeian Power Hour with your hosts, Tipper and Kim. And today, we were going to be talking about Martin Luther King, and more specifically, probably the assassination of Martin Luther King. That, And I don't think you can really get into that without touching on the civil rights issues of the time. Because <clears throat> one of the ways I like to approach any of these situations is I like to go back, and I like to try and understand how you get to this Yeah, point. the context. Yeah. And most of my information came from the FBI vault. So they release documents, they make them available to the public, and you can just go, it's government documents, government website, government Yeah, these are the official documents, the official documents. by the government, mm-hmm. which, keep your tinfoil hats ready, because you <laughs> might want to question them later, well, but let's go ahead and get into it. When you look at the, like the... Oh my gosh, what's it called? The menu of the book? What's it called at the beginning? Where oh. It tells you where everything is. and Yeah, uh, the appendix sort of thing. But the appendix in the back. But anyway, so when you go and look at that, they do have sections that are are redacted, that are deleted yeah. and confidential that you're not getting. So they're, the stuff that they're giving you is, is very calculated information still. But <clears throat> um, I, I'm going to read this one part in the first paragraph of this report and it was in 1975 and it is the domestic intelligence division they've opened up another review as to whether or not the government is involved in the jfk i'm sorry the mlk assassination and and the jfk let's see where that was i was gonna say i have notes on the jfk (laughs) that i found while looking into this that i was like oh my gosh i'm there but i have as I have said before, it is always one of those things where you're like, oh, these conspiracy theorists are crazy. And then when you look <laughs> in, you're like, okay, I see actually how people are, you know, making a conspiracy out of this. But yeah. I'm going to read this first paragraph and then we'll give you a little bit of history of what's going on at the time. So we, we related that from late 1963, continuing until the assassination of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., King was the target of an intensive campaign by the FBI to neutralize him as an effective civil rights leader. Sullivan stated that in the war against King, it was no holds barred. Yep, that was William Sullivan who was one of the heads Mm -hmm. that said that. The former assistant director of the Domestic Intelligence Division of the FBI. Now, I can't say any of these words, but these are like (laughs) high-level positions and that they they have. And I just thought it was very fascinating. But here it says at the last um, part of this, uh, this another testimony describing this FBI counterintelligence campaign against King reached the public through the news media. As a consequence, there was a regeneration of widespread speculation on the possibility that the Bureau may have had some responsibility in Dr. King's death and may not have done an impartial and thorough investigation of his assassination. So this conspiracy that revolves around his death has been re-emerging and bubbling up all the time because there's even another one in the 90s and another one in the early 2000s or late, like 1999, 2000. Yeah. one of the most fascinating parts is that says in these documents that there are over 200,000 papers that were examined. And that is not pages. That is 
different yeah. individual those are exactly those aren't individual pages and memos like one of those mm-hmm. documents could, one of the two hundred thousand could mm-hmm. be 200 pages yep. by itself easy and and so this is the 1975 investigation and i'm sure there's even more information now but the personal or the background information of what's going on just a quick reminder that and I'm going to use the term black because that's often how it's referred. The people people are referred to as in most of the documents. So I'm going to I know that people have preferences to how they're called, but I'm going to use the term black because that's what it's mostly um, referred to as. So black people were given the right to vote in 1870 with the 15th Amendment. And in 1920, just a reminder, women were given the right to vote in the 19th Amendment. So. Martin Luther King was born in 1929, and this is like, I mean, as he's growing up, you are in the middle of the Great Depression. And I find when I look at these things, I kind of compartmentalize them. I don't, like, blend them all together with what's going on. We have the Great Depression. You know, he's alive in World War II. And his very first introduction into the civil rights situation was the bus boycott of 1955. He's 26 years old. He's a Baptist minister. And it was a 13-month boycott after Rosa Parks was arrested for not giving up her seat to a white person. Um, This is in Montgomery, Alabama. And it was really kind of fascinating, the additional facts, is, you know, black cab drivers would give black passengers a ride for 10 cents during the boycott because they wanted to keep the boycott going. They wanted to keep it going, yeah. Mm -hmm. But even after... In 1956, the Supreme Court ruled bus segregation was unconstitutional. But then they still allowed bus stop segregation. So there would be two different bus stops, and then you'd get on the same bus. And I just thought, I I don't know how to wrap my head around thinking that someone's skin color makes them a lesser person. I don't know how to do that. It's really hard because, like, you're kind of trained, like, that's a bad thing to do. Oh, yeah. And so you, when you grow up like that and then you hear a lot of this stuff, it's really hard to wrap your head around that this is the way that it was because mm-hmm. it doesn't make any sense to you that somebody would be like, oh, I don't want to I don't want to sit next to that guy. Oh, yeah, because of the color different. of his skin. Like it doesn't make any sense. Because, you know, we all know that, that Martin Luther King was killed, so it's not a spoiler to say that he died <laughs> right. in, in 1968. But that's only 14 years until I was born. Like, 14 years, everybody I now knows how old I am. And, and it, it seems like it was much longer, much farther removed yeah. from when I was, was born um, that I just can't wrap my head around it. Um, 1960, so we'll go back to, to 1960, you have the desegregation of interstate travel, which blows my mind. I know they've done videos on movies and documentaries that I've never seen on this, but just sitting there reading it, realizing that this was the case, it blows my mind. Uh, 1962, the Supreme Court orders the Ole Miss, the university, to desegregate. And here we come to 1963. In 1963, you have MLK's March on Washington with his I Had a Dream speech. And this has a little piece of fascinating information There's a man by the name of A. Philip Randolph who'd been fighting for equality since 1925. He started a union called the Brotherhood of the Sleeping Car Porters. So 
they were sleeping car porters and they were the brotherhood of the sleeping car porters. They started in 1925 and he planned a march in Washington. So this is kind of him. This is kind of his march. His march. And he has Martin Luther King come talk about it. Um, But he planned his back during FDR. So in between 1933 and 1945. Um, And it was, they're like, nope, you can't do this. But in 1941, FDR signed an executive order 8802 that banned discriminatory employment practices by federal agencies and all unions. It did not desegregate the military. That didn't even start desegregation until 1948 under Truman's executive order of 9981. So so that, I, I thought it was fascinating because I thought it was MLK's march. Yeah. But it, it wasn't. It was this guy, Philip Randolph. A. Philip Randolph. Um, so then in 1957, you have the Civil Rights Act um, under Eisenhower, who was a Republican. It was also really interesting to go down this rabbit hole, which I'll I'll go down in just a minute. And they did the Civil Rights Act of 1957 because only 20% of Southern black voters were registered to vote. And they wanted to get more black people registered for, to vote. So they passed the Civil Rights Act so people would feel like they were, you know, being less discriminated against. So, again, this is 1957. In 1963, just a little reminder that Kennedy was assassinated. Um, you're in the middle of Cold War or you're, you're at the beginning and middle of Cold War situations. Kind of. A, <laughs> and, and part of that is interesting, points. too, because you, you talk, the FBI started following Martin Luther King mm-hmm. and, you know, tracking him, listening in on conversations, doing whatever, and the justification was communism. Is They said, yeah, there are communists in his organization, and a lot of the things that he's saying were similar to what, communists would say right but another reason they decided it was okay is because there were so many um oh my gosh i don't know i don't know what you'd call this uh black power groups yeah so you had several including and they were very and and that was one of the things that we had talked about in a previous one where we were talking about the fbi they had they had some they had several one of of them was black nationalists Mm -hmm. and one of them was white nationalist groups and so they would but they were tracking these Mm -hmm. groups And, and specifically in these documents martin luther king has connections to the invaders yeah the which black, is one that i'll bring up oh good and the black organizing power which is talked about a lot in the documents um the nation of islam which I don't even, I've never even heard of that one up until this point. Black Student Association of MSU, Students for a Democratic Society, Black United Front, and Afro-American Brotherhood. So he has ties, ties yeah. to all of these groups. And so to, to the leadership of the country, he looked like a potentially threatening man because some of these groups were very violent some of them. Oh yeah, some of them were were very violent. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Martin Luther King is preaching nonviolence. Yes, uh, but he's associated with groups that are not preaching that. Mm-hmm. And some of them are preaching violence. Yes, and and Resistance. there's ties between them in ways. You know, obviously, I think they're fighting for the same yes. sort of cause. But they'd show up at the like he'd go to their homes and talk to their leaders and yeah, and he'd go to their meetings and things like that. So so this sort of lit up some red flags for the government. 
So they've been following him for quite a while, which kind of leads into why this is such a conspiracy. Yeah. But it he, matched like everything you would want in a conspiracy. Like if you has. if you enjoyed conspiracies like I do, <laughs> that we are finding is, ourselves loving. <laughs> this is the best, and it's such a tragic. Thing. Oh, it's, like it, you it know, is. Like, you don't want to like be. You don't want to be too light about it. Yeah, but, but at the same time, as is far as conspiracy goes, mm-hmm. this is fantastic. And I just say that I just watched a video this morning of a reporter, Earl Caldwell. He's a black reporter mm-hmm. who worked at the New York Times, who was down in Memphis, staying in the same hotel that uh, where Martin Luther King was killed. Mm-hmm. And and he was saying, like, this was the proudest moment of my life. And then he's trying to explain how, like, yeah, there's a tragedy. But he doesn't know how to say, like, yeah, it's but tragic. But if you courageous. take away from the tragedy, like, <laughs> this was, I was there, I wrote, and that's kind of how I feel. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to make light of the tragedy. No. But outside of the tragedy, holy cow, this is great. There's, the, there's, it's, great, of course, is a horrible word. But yeah, it is but then if you take the tragedy away, <laughs> it's, it's great. All the pieces, <laughs> all the, all the things that go into this. Um but so you have the Civil Rights Act, but it, which is um, in 1964. So you have the Civil Rights Act of 1957, which is Eisenhower Republican. Then you have 1964, which is Lyndon B. Johnson, who's a Democrat. And I was kind of astonished that Lyndon B. Johnson, knowing what I know about him, is like doing some nice stuff. So well, you can get into that <laughs> as its own separate thing. You but. can. Um, because I'm not sure I trust Lyndon B. Johnson, and I never was alive while he was The, the stuff that I read power. was a lot of what he did, it, it was political. And so Absolutely. he's like, okay, this is, I believe it. this is the best political move is to pass Civil Rights Act. But, what but was, you know, I don't know. Like, that, it might be political to say that. Yes. But anyway. But what is fascinating is this act of 1964 was filibustered. Oh, I'm sorry. The 1957 one was filibustered by the Democrats. This one was filibustered by Senator Robert Byrd, who was a Democrat from North Carolina, and he filibustered for 14 hours and 13 minutes. But this one still passed. I don't think the 57 one passed. Um, You also had the War on Poverty, which is really fascinating. Also, Lyndon B. Johnson. And this is when the poverty rate was 19%. Um, right now, just for a guide, it's 11.6. So it was pretty high poverty. Um, it began in 1964, and only 7% of the children at the time were born to unmarried women, and now that figure is 60%. Yeah, and historically, marriage has played, played a critical role in raising children, but some of the things that were introduced at the time say you can't have welfare if there's a man in the home, you know, and so people quit having a man in the home because they could still get additional money and they could still take care of their kids and then they didn't have to deal with the guy who puts the socks on the floor everywhere and, <laughs> and, that and might leaves be, the that, toilet that, that might seat not be up. the worst thing they had to deal with. <laughs> it's true. Sometimes it's definitely a good idea to not be in those situations and sometimes it's not. But that's a different story too. So in 1968, here's where everything kind of comes to a pinnacle point. Yep. You've already got Martin Luther King. He's done lots of speeches. People really enjoy hearing him talk. He does a lot of public events. He won events. a Nobel Peace Prize in 1964. Oh, which? <laughs> Do you want to talk about the letter? Uh, let's, well, the let's letter save happens. that. Okay. So let's bring it up Everybody, when we get to... Everybody, remember there's going to be a letter. There's going to be a letter. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll try and get to it. But 
This is February 12th of 1968 when the Memphis sanitation workers strike. And this is kind of the beginning of the point that leads up to the assassination of Martin Luther King. So in on March 28th, there was a march in Memphis for the sanitation workers. And, and he's also working on something uh, like, I think it's called the Poor People's Campaign. And he's trying to yes. rally those. And he's and that's failing. And that's he's, failing. He's not he can't get job. the support he, he needs. He can't get the support for this. And so he ends up thinking, okay, I'm going to use you know this yes. Memphis sanitation strike. So he left the Poor People's Campaign. Which was going to be in a, like kind of a march on Washington mm-hmm. sort of thing. And he comes down to this, and he actually came down in, on the 18th, and he spoke to a crowd of 9,200 people, and he called for a day of protest on March 22nd. And he tells every black person, don't go to your job, don't go down, just go downtown and march, you know. Yeah. And there was a, but there was a massive snowstorm, okay? Here you are in Memphis, Tennessee. It is March 22nd. Which is uh, you don't you don't get massive snowstorms ever, ever. let alone March. (laughs) Yeah, let alone in March. I looked it up actually, and there's two records, and one of them is in um, 1968, but it does it does have a little less. It says that it's only like 22 centimeters, but um, that's not what they report in the official documents. But regardless, the only higher one was in 1963. That they have like, but everything else, they're even like, like several years in a row where there's no snow at all for the entire year. So they have what they report as 16 inches. Um, But if you go by whatever the centimeters was, I actually don't remember it exactly. I have eight inches here. So randomly they have like this ridiculous snowstorm. So they're like, it's postponed. We'll see on the 28th. Okay. (laughs) So on the on the twenty eighth when they do the march and keep in mind that Martin Luther King preaches nonviolence. Mm-hmm. He doesn't like. He, he he literally is saying in one of his speeches, it's either nonviolence or non-existence. Yeah. Is if, if we decide, you know, if everybody's just going to fight, you fight till everybody's dead. Yeah. So quit fighting. Let's do this nonviolently, and he preaches that very consistently mm-hmm. when he does deal with people who. You know, aren't preaching that, and that's part of the issue. Is on this March twenty eighth, March, yes. violence erupts. It. This is fascinating when you go through the timeline. So the march begins at eleven in the morning. Martin Luther King is at the beginning. He is leading the march. They hit the main street, and the people in the back start to riot. They start breaking signs, they start breaking windows, they start looting stores, and they bring in the police and Dr. King's aides commandeer a vehicle and they get a police escort to a, a different hotel than the one that he's originally staying at. So he goes to the Rivermont Hotel and he was completely gone from the scene by 11.15. So everything so that quick. happened <laughs> happened in 15 minutes. And there was somebody got killed. There were injuries, arrests. Three people it, it injured. Was pretty, it was pretty and serious. One person killed. Yes, but <laughs> um, where where did I have this notes? A hundred and fifty fires were set. Three hundred people were arrested. Four rioters were shot, and one did die. They had to have a citywide seven p.m. curfew, and they called in 
3,500 Tennessee National Guard because it had turned into something so explosive. And I watched the news the next day that they had a clip where they are interviewing Martin Luther King, and he did the exact same thing. He excused the behavior and was like, well, these, you know, these people are wound up. They have a lot of emotions. They're feeling, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is exactly what they said. <laughs> They're mostly people. <laughs> in the, in the 2020 riots. Yeah. Like, huh. Like, I, I was really surprised that that was his response considering he's, you know, preaching and, the non-violence. Um, but then he says, and it wasn't violence. It was just rioting. He's like, people didn't. Oh, and then he said, essentially, black people have the capability of shooting white people. He's like, there, there's a lot of good hunters. He's like, but nobody did. And I thought, I didn't know this. this yeah, is, I'd never heard that. This is weird. There's a lot of stuff that I hadn't <laughs> heard really about Martin Luther King that kind of comes out that. Uh, yeah, I just thought, oh, because I kind of, you can't help yourself but put him a little bit on a pedestal, yeah. even though you know there's, like, I mean, we have a national holiday his, yeah. now for Martin Luther King. And you're so glad, you know, that there's not the same issues that were in the 60s. Yeah. And, and isn't that good? And, of course, this is a good response. But to hear him say that, I just was like, oh, I'm a little deflated about that. Like, that makes me a little bit sad. Well, they could have killed them, and they didn't. That's right. Could have been worse. But, I mean, it's just, you can look up the um, link, too, and you can hear him say it. Um, but he did say, and this is, I, I wrote this down thinking maybe this is why he was assassinated. But he said there was for sure going to be another demonstration. And they said, oh, can you verify that it won't be violent? And he's like, I can't, because... Essentially, I mean, how he, would you? How could he? Yeah, like, like it, I didn't throw any rocks. Yeah. I, can ver- I can verify I would I am not going to be violent. But, but yeah, like. Yeah, especially after saying, well, they could kill, but they didn't. Like, that's kind of an intimidating statement to say. Yeah. Like, and um, especially, I don't know. So he goes back to Atlanta and kind of regroups. And mm-hmm. on April 3rd. Decide, you know, he's flying back out to Memphis. They're going to continue. He's got a court date. Oh, he's got a court date? Yeah. So they were planning on continuing marching. He, he was issued a temporary restraining order against further marches in Memphis. Yeah. So and me, so but, he had to show up for court. Well, I didn't court know he had to show up for court, court but I knew mm-hmm. that Memphis was seeking an injunction so that they couldn't yeah. do any more uh, marches. And what's fascinating is he didn't go to court. He sent somebody else to court instead. So he stayed home, home being the hotel. And and his, it's from here that everything gets Things like, get really weird. So weird. I wanted to bring up something on the third because it can oh, potentially sure. play into one of the conspiracy theories. Uh, so on the third, once he, first off, on the third when he goes to fly back into Memphis, his plane gets stuck. There's a bomb threat, and the FBI is there and goes in, oh, no. and they check the plane, do whatever, and it's delayed. Well, once he gets I to Memphis, he was somewhere. scheduled to give a speech. Yeah. And initially, he wasn't going to do it, but he, he was having one of the other guys, Ralph Abernathy, who yep. was doing it. And then they were like, this isn't going well. You know, Go get Martin Luther King. So Martin Luther King comes, and he gives... Uh, 
a speech that becomes known as, you know, like, uh, you know, on the mountaintop. I've been to the mountaintop is what the speech is. And in it, there's kind of a, a, a line that people bring up. He, you know, I may not get there with you, but I want you to know that we as people will get to the promised land. And there's a couple things that he references that make it sound like he knows he's not going to be around for very long. You know, is one of the conspiracies that he did it for that it was publicity, like a sacrifice of himself? So that's one of the theories. Oh my goodness, I'd never heard of that one until that sentence. Right. So it, it, it was kind of a self, and we'll get into that when we get into the theories. But okay. that's one of the theories. You know, he also had asked, you know, if I were to lose my life, would that aid the cause? He had asked that previously, just kind of recently. Anyway, so he ends up, he's staying at this place called the Lorraine Motel, yep. which is... Which uh, is where he usually stays when he heads to Memphis. Not really. That's what it says. No. I know it says that. Oh, no. But he, he doesn't. <laughs> There's a officer who follows him. His There's... name's Detective Reddit, and Detective yep. Reddit is, says... Yeah, he doesn't normally, like, this is the first time he stayed there. Well, he stayed there when he came on the 28th. He was there. So, so I didn't, I didn't think he stayed there on mm-hmm. the 28th. But he, he was there on the 28th. But the, but regardless, like, people have said, like, the hotel owner says, yeah, he's been here plenty of times. Mm-hmm. But Detective Reddit said, I, like, I told him not to stay, like, don't stay at the Lorraine Motel. And the, the detective says, yeah, he normally stays at these other motels that are, richer and nicer and where mostly white people it stay. It was interesting because there are like dilapidated buildings around this yeah. hotel. I was surprised. So he stays at this Lorraine, this place called the Lorraine Motel. So now we got to bring in the, like the second side of the story, which is the James Earl Ray side of the story. So James Earl mm-hmm. Ray is the person who killed Martin Luther King, according to every official story. and, and Except for his own. Except mm-hmm. for his own and mm-hmm. other people's as well. So James Earl Ray was staying at a place in Memphis, and he finds yeah, uh, he, there's a paper that prints that Martin Luther King is staying at the Lorraine Motel Room 306. Uh, that particular paper happened to be found in a bag you guys, of James Earl Ray's stuff. I can't even express how this starts to unfold like a very obvious yeah like mystery book like every every piece of damning evidence is it, it's conveniently, conveniently found, found that James Earl Ray location. happened to know where yes. Martin Luther King mm-hmm. was staying and he goes to the Bessie Brewer boarding house which is right next to it's the across Lorraine the street from motel. the Lorraine motel and he has like many aliases so including eric galt and john willard and he registers at 3 15 p.m on the day that martin martin luther king is shot and he is given a nicer room but he rejects it and says he doesn't want it he wants wants this other room that has a view of Mm -hmm. the the hotel so there's kitchen facilities in the first one and he's like no i just want one for sleeping So he's taken to the back of the building, um, and a man named Stevens is underneath him, in the room underneath him. And I do I I I don't don't have a Stevens 
But Stevens hears footsteps going from Willard's apartment. That's remember that's, that's his, his alias. alias. Willard's apartment to the bathroom. And he's like, he spends a lot of time in the bathroom. And I'm thinking, Stevens, why are you listening to him? Like, who keeps track? It's of not a how lot of good long? stuff on TV at the time. <laughs> so, and he wasn't looking out the window. Like, but he said he spent a lot of time in the bathroom where there was no rushing water and no toilet flushing. And, and at four o'clock, they have records saying that he went to a store and bought some binoculars. At four p.m. At four p.m. Well, what's fascinating here is Stevens does not say that there is a gap. Stevens oh, really? says um, there was that he just kind but of But that can't be true because they found forth. binoculars. Oh, well, someone needs to talk to Stevens yeah. again. Because he says the last visit to the bathroom, there was a loud noise in which he was sure it was a gunshot. Stevens opens the door and sees a man running down the hallway. Okay, first off, to be honest, I'm not sure if Stevens is below him, but from this um, scenario, Stevens is on the same hall. But yeah. from the other one, he's, he's listening below. to the feet, footsteps <laughs> below, and um, this is this is bananas. So I'm going to go off on this, and then we're going to circle back and talk about what Martin Luther King is doing because we've already hit the assassination. Assassination. I can't say it. Assassination. <laughs> The day of the assassination. We've already hit the assassination point, but I'm going to tell you this next piece, and then we'll go back to what Martin Luther King was doing. <clears throat> Are you guys ready? So, Stephen opens his door and sees the man running down the hallway carrying a large wrapped bundle. Do you know the large wrapped I bundle? I know the bundle. Mm-hmm. Shortly after the shooting, a thud was heard when a man dropped a wrapped bundle at the entrance of a store. The man, matching many descriptions, was walking away. Inside the bundle was a model 760 Remington Game Master rifle with a 30 6 caliber and a blue zipper bag. Inside the bag are toiletries, a man's underwear, laundry tags, binoculars, two cans of beer, and a paper bag with a York Arms Company logo as well as a sales cash receipt from that very day from the arms company. And the newspaper that had the time when Martin Luther King was going to be staying at Little Ray Hotel. Mm -hmm. The beer cans were traced back to a store in South Haven, Mississippi. How, you say? I have no clue, I say. They, Maybe... they traced every one of those articles. Oh, every one of those articles was properly traced back to its original purchase. And I just think... Is it like specialty beer? Like, it was why Schlitz does he beer have two beer had, cans in yeah. his toiletry bag? I mean, is it the, no clothes? And why in the world is he? So there were clothes. The clothes, the where it says there were the dry cleaning tags. I think those were on clothes. You do think they were on clothes? So that's the, the story laundry that I marks. Read. I heard from this report is there were marks from the launderer in the underwear. So. And maybe it was just underwear, but they said there was some clothing with some dry cleaning tags. They tra traced the dry cleaning tags to L.A. Yeah, L.A., right next to a dancing place where this yeah. this guy liked to dance. I just think, what? It is Why does surreal this man because have undies in, in his <laughs> little bag? 
Because his car is his own car that he purchased in Alabama, I think. In cash. In cash. And why does he have dry cleaned undies only from Los Angeles? And to go back to before the story, he was in jail in 1967. He escaped in in like a bread truck. And then he went across the nation to Mexico, to Canada, Mm -hmm. wherever. Somehow he had cash, which there is a, an explanation for what, how he had all this cash and could travel, but somehow he had cash to buy this vehicle with cash. He paid like $2,000 for this white Mustang, mm-hmm. but uh, he had that Mustang I, you know, parked near the boarding Bessie's room, boarding Bessie's house, boarding house mm-hmm. which was described as a flop house. What's a flop house? Uh, maybe a ill repute place. Um, <laughs> oh. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, so he leaves this bundle of stuff as he's making oh, yeah. his Oh, just drops it down getaway. with a thud. With a thud. Mm-hmm. I was like, um. And, and he makes his, his getaway. The police put out like a... You know, they, they put over the radio, whatever, but they don't tell any neighboring states. No neighboring states were made aware that there's this white Mustang that might, and so he drives to, like, I can't remember if it was Missouri, Alabama. He drives somewhere else to this neighboring state mm-hmm. and. I feel like it was Alabama, and but gets I don't away. remember. So the, you know, shot happens. He runs, drops his bag, jumps in his car drives to another state, and spends two months on the run before they catch him, essentially. But they know who he is, and they get his picture. They, they know. in a. It does. It takes them a little bit. Like, it takes them a few days to know who but he like is. like, four days. Which, and at the time, his, is crazy, because what yes, they had to do is, was they're matching his fingerprints mm-hmm. manually. Like, there's from no the automated from thing. From little flippy cards. From the flippy cards, uh-huh. which they have 58,000. <laughs> and luckily, in luckily, the first they 700, find they find his because they assume that he is a criminal, which he yeah, indeed was. Which is the only way. I mean, that's the only way you have these fingerprints. Right. Really, is with the they criminals. don't do the safety kids thing back then, where you just have everybody. Yeah, they they are genuinely, you know, look how lucky they are that they stumbled upon these fingerprints. But they they lucked out in every possible they, way. They got lucky a lot. They apparently. did better than Perot. Like this is this is crazy because so. His fingerprints are matched on April 19th. Yeah, so this happened mm-hmm. on April 4th. So April 19th, that's, you know, it's, it, it's a ways out. It, it's it a takes some time because mm-hmm. they're doing all this manually. They don't have the tools that you have nowadays. But don't forget, you know, he was convicted. He was in prison. He'd escaped prison. But he <laughs> he had a 20-year sentence because he had multiple offenses. Yeah, he was a career criminal. Mm-hmm. And so he's he's about halfway through that when he escapes. And he got a nose job on March 5th of 1968. So he totally so changes he his nose. Like... So, I mean, this has all of the workings of like the a fictional story, but he confessed to the crime. Yeah, so he gets caught. He goes up to Canada. He gets a passport under a different name, something Sneed. He's got two pa- fake passports. He, he goes to... Um, England. He's in London. He goes to Portugal. He goes back. He's planning on going to Belgium. 
but he gets caught because the U.S. goes to Canada and says, hey, here's a picture of James Earl Ray. Mm-hmm. Do you know anybody, you know, did you get anybody getting a passport request or ID? And they're like, yeah, we did. Sneed. And so then they track Sneed to London, and they end up catching him as he's trying to go to Belgium. Well, I'm going to tell you how they got that picture because I feel like that's a different, interesting piece of the puzzle. So they get the picture because they see in the undies or whatever clothes he has, the dry cleaning marks that lead them to Los Angeles. And they see his place next to the dance studio that he likes to go to. And in that hotel or place that he's staying, the boarding house or hotel or whatever it is, they have... Um, in the room that is not his room, as in like he's gone, and so they lent it out to somebody else, they find maps to Martin Luther King's home, a locksmithing book, and a picture. He, <laughs> so he just leaves a picture of himself? Like <laughs> I that. believe the picture, because if you look at it, he is in a tux. He's got oh. a suit and a tie, and it's a bow tie, and this is, I believe, a picture from... Like when he's at the dance place. But he has different faces. And when he's making a sad face and when he's making a smiley face. So maybe it's like a, a headshot for. He's going to be an actor. He's going to be know. an actor. So, but conveniently, they are in the room that he has not stayed at for quite some time. Yeah. Like maps to Martin Luther King's house. Like, did you not need those when you were. Because he's not even near Martin Luther yeah, King's Yeah, Martin house. Luther he's, King, I think, lived in Atlanta. Alabama. And oh, is it Atlanta? I have it somewhere. Well, he might have multiple houses, but he, he had, a, he he had a house in, in Atlanta. But the one that he was last in has now been turned into a national park. So, and his wife lived there until she died. And she kept his car. Like, they have so many. They have the original carpet. They have the original doors. They have... So many original things, including his car and her car, were just in the garage, and she rarely used them ever again. Like, I was, that alone, I mean, that's not even a conspiracy, but that's really unusual. That is, I, I honestly <laughs> think that that's just some people's person, like, they don't want to And it must anything. have been. And for, you know, that poor lady and the things that she went through with this guy, um... Maybe there were a lot of layers there. Yeah, there there definitely was. But anyway, they catch on, um, I think June 8th, he's picked up. And on June 19th, he's extradited back to the United States for killing Martin Luther King. Which he confesses to on March 10th. So, Mm -hmm. not not March 10th. That can't be. Oh, Oh. it is. It is March 10th, 1969. Yes, 1969. So the next year, Mm -hmm. he... Which is his 41st birthday. He confessed on his birthday. And then on March 13th, he takes it all back and says... And and part of the interesting thing is he initially gets a lawyer. He talks to this lawyer for 30 hours. The lawyer tells him, you don't have a case. You're going to need to plead guilty. So he says, Mm -hmm. "I I want a different lawyer. So he gets a different lawyer spends like 30 more hours talking with this lawyer. The lawyer says, you don't have a case. You need to plead guilty. So he pleads guilty. And what he says is like he, he was essentially coerced in that into pleading the, guilty. the death penalty and also that they said, we're going after your family. So he says, okay, I'll plead guilty. So that's his story is that he was coerced to plead guilty and he pled guilty. And then three days later he says, I, I didn't do it. I was set up. Mm-hmm. I was framed. 
and he brings up a name. It was it was Raul. Raul yeah, did Raul. it. Which which I heard him give an interview, and he does indeed talk about Raul. And he's not the only one who brings up Raul. But oh. Raul, what he says is he would he had gone up to Canada. He met meets a guy in a bar named Raul, Raul. who. He describes as having, I think he says he has like reddish hair, he's got a heavy accent, but he, he might be Hispanic, might be Native American. Um, but he says, yeah, this guy, we start talking, he wants to do some gun running. Yep. So I'm Not with him, we're doing gun guns. running, mm-hmm. and that's what brought us to Memphis, is Raul's driving, and he takes us down, you know, to Memphis. So it was a couple days Maybe a week earlier, he he had bought a gun, the the gun that he used to kill Martin Luther King. He bought a different gun. He did. Takes it back like the next day, and he's saying, "Look, it doesn't work." I didn't. It's you got know, some gun. Raul in it. told me to go get this different type of gun. He told me to go get a thirty out six. So I took it back, and I got a thirty out six. Right, so but the original feeds. gun he returned had some gunk inside the chamber. Oh, really? It wouldn't fire. See, I hadn't heard that, mm-hmm. and what I had heard was that his story was that he was told, yeah, that's not the right type of gun. Go get a different gun. Mm-hmm. So he goes back to, and and changes the gun in and gets a different gun, and that's the, the gun that was used to kill Martin Luther King. So uh, James Earl Ray pleads guilty, goes to you know prison. He tries to escape several times, and Things kind of now we got to spread out and start getting some of the other parts of the story. Mm-hmm. So the official story: James Earl Ray at six oh one p.m. on April fourth, nineteen sixty-eight, killed Martin Luther King. I actually have some interesting details. If we want to go back, to oh, let's talk exactly about those happened. details. So this does not put him in a very flattering light. So brace yourself for this. Because he has a lot of, um, oh, I was going to say rumors to the fact that he cheated on. Well, his let's wife call a lot. them rumors because they're not. I rumors have no proof. I it has been proven. <laughs> I, I was going to say from what I have heard, there's not really. There's been a lot close of close acquaintances. Friends have said, "Yeah, you got a problem," mm-hmm. but they all kind of recanted and said, "Oh, I didn't." Well, mean nobody that. wants to put him in the bad light because it definitely tarnishes. The, the good yeah. things that he did. Because he's a minister. Right, and, and he was he's a married husband, and, and he was yeah. a, a civil rights leader. He's got you four don't kids. think he, that he's yeah. doing that. But he did, and he did apparently a lot. But the day of, he um, spends the part of the day with a, a Kentucky State Senator, Georgia Davis Powers. And so the reason he, like, he doesn't go to court because he goes and spends the day with her. And um, she was there when he got shot. And she tried to get in the ambulance. But Martin Luther King's friends were like, this is a bad idea, Georgia. Don't do this. Don't get in the ambulance. And she's like, oh, yeah, that's right. And she's the one telling this story. She's the one, she's saying, the one saying this. So this isn't like <laughs> this isn't hearsay. Like, uh-uh, this is her telling. Um, and she is... Um, and cause this also leads up to the letter. Remember the letter, the everyone? letter, the letter, but Let's there's talk also about the letter or, or do you want to really wait? fast? So finish me, yours. So there's multiple people, but the two main people they talk about the most 
are this Kentucky State Senator Georgia Powers and this other woman named Dorothy Cotton. And Dorothy Cotton follows him around everywhere. And she dies in um, 2018. But in 2017, she's telling a reporter about what happened. So they have, if you look in these FBI documents, these names are there. That's why I started searching the names to find out the stories. Um, so she, I'm sorry, I don't mean to laugh. This is just kind of an amusing story to me for some reason. So the only reason she started talking about it is because his wife had died. So she feels like she can, she now, can, now, say she can now talk about it. Um, but her room was right next door to Martin Luther King's room. And she would always travel around where he went and she would stay in the room next to him. But that night, because if you go through, he does not sleep at all the night before he dies. He is up, he is out, he's in a, he's in a cab at 4 a.m., he's going somewhere here. And so she is up all night trying to give him some food. She's like, oh, he'll be hungry. It's been a long day. She goes and gets him fried chicken. And then he's nowhere. She checks his room. He's not there. She walks around. She's carrying this fried chicken. She's like, oh, my gosh, where is he? Anyway, when he comes back in the morning, she finds out that he has indeed slept with Georgia Powers the night before. And at once, she's so angry that at 1 p.m., she leaves, goes on a flight, flies away, takes a nap when she gets there and wakes up and finds out that he's gone. So she confirms both of those. Both of them were there. Both of them were there. They both are traveling with him all the time, but there are also more people. And so this leads to a letter that was actually referred to before. Oh, actually, I have to fill in the rest of these details of how he was killed because Georgia Powers is there. They're getting ready to go somewhere. So everyone's getting dressed up and they're taking turns just by mere happenstance coming out, standing in this location and going back into the uh, hotel room because, oh, someone forgot this or someone called, you know, and they're just they're just standing there. But there comes a point where somebody is on the ground talking to Martin Luther King about it's, the it's weather. His driver. And yeah. his driver is telling him cold you're gonna want you're gonna want this like a jacket or and then whatever the shot goes off and he is down and everyone of course comes out to see what's gone on and what is fascinating is they have a picture a picture taken by somebody right there where everyone has come out i mlk is on the ground and he is in a pool of of blood and there are a bunch of people pointing to the direction they think the shot came from and that's the picture and i have to be honest like why in the world not only is there a camera person there because i could see maybe there's an interview they're gonna have but why are they taking a picture in this very critical moment and just looking at that picture, it, it looked very staged. It does. Because the, there yep. are three people standing around his body that all have their fingers out pointing. And they are pointing in a direction of Ruth's. They're not pointing in the direction of Bessie's, of Bessie's, boarding, Bessie's house. boarding house. They're pointing in the picture of Ruth's, not a bathroom location, 
they're pointing in a different direction. Yeah. So I don't know that this guy took the picture, but there was a fellow by the name of uh, Earl Caldwell that uh, he was a reporter who happened to be staying at the Lorraine Motel. Now, he didn't happen to be staying. So here, I just watched this video where he's describing um, the story. Mm-hmm. So the, the video was taken, I don't know, it looked like it was probably 20 years ago. Uh, but in the video, Earl Caldwell says that on April 1st, which is three days before, he gets called in uh, by the New York Times. He's a reporter for the New York Times. gets called in by the editor who says, Martin Luther King lost control of his people. King has to be stopped. I want you to go down there and nail him. That's what the editor says to Earl Caldwell, who's a black Ooh. reporter at the New York Times. So he goes down there and is uh, staying at the same hotel. He's in room 207, which is the floor below. And one of the other things that he says, so, you know, this is him talking. He says, look, there wasn't an investigator. Nobody ever came to talk to me. I'm sitting in the room. Nobody ever came to ask me what happened. Nobody came to ask me what I saw. Nobody came to ask me anything for 30 years. I never oh. got asked any question for 30 years until they did that second investigation in 2000. in 2000. So he brings up a couple other points. He says, so <laughs> this is him talking. Uh, you know, the story, the official story is that James were away, fired, fired from the flop house window. Well, nobody could, you know, see that. There's another story of what people did see and I know that because I saw it. So Solomon Jones, the driver uh, that was talking to Martin Luther King, so he brings the car around. He he sees a figure in the bushes. There are bushes across the street. So uh, Bessie's boarding house is across the street. There's also some bushes that are there um, that lead. There's also a place called Jim's Grill that'll come into play. But there's some bushes there. He says, yeah, we, we saw um, somebody in those bushes. Both I saw it and Solomon Jones, the driver, saw it. We saw people running from those bushes. So he says there was a, a big thicket there. Well, the next day, a thicket ain't there anymore. <gasps> somebody came and took it down. And this is him saying it. He says, that ain't no Tom, Dick, or Harry altering that scene. That's the government. But he said, and I read on somebody else's, somebody else had a thing about it, and they were bringing up the bushes, and I could not find any official thing on the bushes. Mm -hmm. But this other guy who was saying it said he had found something where the official story was that they took the bushes down as part of the investigation to 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 look for, yeah, to be very, very thorough. And what Earl Caldwell is saying is, you know, that that's not why. They're taking away the evidence so that when you say, no, there was somebody in the bushes, everybody looks and goes, what bushes? There's no bushes. Yep. So that's his story. But he wrote an article that was published on, like, the 5th. He doesn't mention the bushes at all in the article. But he kind of covers that, too, saying, like, you know, the official story, is you follow the official story. The, the official story was that it was James Earl Ray. But he was... 
he seemed pretty adamant. And there was somebody else, the Solomon Jones, and there was another guy uh, that also brought up, yeah, saw somebody running from the bushes. And not with a gigantic parcel of underwear and guns. No. I mean, they don't mention the underwear or guns, but somebody else later, years later, mentions a gun that was given to a guy at this Jim's Grill that is right by that Bessie's board. Oh, you're kidding. Which is something... So, potentially, someone gives somebody else a gun, they go shoot it, and then they go. Yeah. Okay. So, that's one story that we'll get into at a separate time. But this Earl Caldwell, who happened to be a reporter who was staying in the, um, the same hotel says he saw somebody in the bushes i don't know if he took that picture but there was a reporter i looked it up i just forgot to write it down so i don't remember who did it and he doesn't mention the picture like in the video i saw it was like eight minutes never known there was a picture i think i had seen other pictures of him out on the balcony but i had never seen one that had him him been shot Mm -hmm. because it's it's for being a horrible picture, it's nice because not only is it black and white, but it's like things are obscured by railings. Like, yeah. you can tell what's going on, but it's not incredibly graphic picture. It's like, you know, in a way, kind of an ideal news picture. Because if it was more graphic, you couldn't show it. And if it was less detailed, it wouldn't make any wouldn't sense. Make. So, I don't know. Yeah, so but, that picture's interesting. There, yes. there was another thing that had happened... Um, so prior about six minutes before, well, six to 10 minutes before Martin Luther King was killed, he was talking to a group of people from that invaders. Uh He was talking, they came to see him and they were talking to him. They were going to stay at the same hotel about six minutes before, um, Martin Luther King was killed. They said they were told to get out, that, that Jesse Jackson, who was one of the people with Martin Luther King, just came and said, you guys need to leave. We're not paying for your hotel. Just get out of here. So they say, yeah, they're driving away. They hear the gunshot, and they just get out of there. Like, they just say, yeah, we – and this their account of this is happening like 30 years. This is – they're saying this in the 90s. Wow. And they – so – you don't know what to take, but they were right there at the time because they're one of the, when you get into the conspiracies, the, the thing that I love about this conspiracy thing is that there's, you know, six different players that you could all make a case oh, of, for sure. like, this doesn't make sense. You know, why are these, because the invaders are a group that are kind of pro-violence. Yep. And their big thing is, you know, you, you got to take it got to use force you got to do whatever it's not going to work if you don't black panther-esque yeah they're very Mm -hmm. black panther-esque and they have you know people say that there's a a kind of a beef between them and martin luther king because martin luther king is preaching the non-violence and and they're saying no that's not going to work you know like martin luther king to them is a hindrance to what they're trying to do he's keeping people non-violent and they want the violence so they they had met with him just minutes prior to him being killed and in their story they were driving away when the gunshot went off 
So there, that's one of the groups, but they didn't have any other information. You know, they didn't really provide much else. And to me, they don't really seem to play in because some of the other stuff just doesn't match. So, you know, when, when you look at the information and you look at the people who are upset, you know, you could even see like a lone gunman who is angry about the violence and the and the riot that just occurred, or you know, and the, and the fact that they're going to have another one. Like you could see yeah. that if it could be a random citizen, but the guy whom they whom quote James unquote Ray. confesses has no skin in the game. Like he's, he's just not a from guy. There. He's, he's never... not from there. He doesn't seem to have in his past any particular like civil issue against so one of his he, he people he had come out and basically said yeah i'm a segregationist i i'm not a racist but i do i do think we should be separated and he's th- been they in went prison for 10 years so it's not like he's really up on all the social events yeah it and they had talked to the people in prison with him and came away saying some people said he was racist some people says he's not racist mm. and that because that's but if you're that, gonna... what they were looking at was um, motive. Like, what's his yeah. motive? And they brought up several things and basically concluded, you know, doesn't really have a motive. They mm-hmm. couldn't put, a like, a racial thing. They couldn't put, um, like, a fame thing because he didn't. He ran away. He hid. He changed his name. He did whatever. They So they say he's not looking for fame. He's not looking for, uh, you know, it's not a, a racial thing, and he's not looking for money which was also potentially mm-hmm. disputed because w- when they did this investigation in 1978 i want to find the quote because depending on how you read it the investigation that they did in 1978 there's just a particular line that just stands out that was i, I read it and was like holy cow but in this report done by the House Select Committee on Assassinations, mm-hmm. they came out and they just said, um, well, we think that Ray acted alone despite, you know, evidence of a conspiracy. <laughs> and they bring up this evidence of a conspiracy, which piques my brain. But what their conspiracy is, is they go in and say, we think he was paid. We think he got money. We found there were several people who put bounties out on Martin Luther King, said, we'll pay you money if you kill him. And they think that he oh. conspired with his brothers to kill him for money. So in 1978, they with make... With whose brothers? With James Earl Ray. So James Earl Ray has two brothers who are also criminals. Oh, and, and so they think that it was like whoever gets there first kind of And thing? so they think that they were working together <laughs> to get the money, you know, they, essentially to get paid and and whoever put the bounty is yeah so there was awesome. a mafia guy and i mean there were actually several people well especially that's why i've noted that thing in the press conference where he's like we could have killed everybody we just didn't yeah where i'm like anybody who is feeling agitated those are you know those fight you, words you pop those crazies into the crazy land with those kind of words yep. like you, you you have to be careful but <sighs> I'm, uh, yeah, so <laughs> none of theory, this, you can't approach this in any way that isn't accusatory to everybody, but yeah, you still don't get to kill someone, even though that they pop you into crazy land. But one of the reasons why, and I'm going to bring up the letter. Okay. One of the reasons why people think that it is the FBI 
is not only because of like things like the bushes or the fact that they found the maps to Martin Luther King's house in Lucky his us. really old we place happen of residence. To know. Yeah. But in 1964, Martin Luther King received a letter, and the letter was a threat to dis- that they would disclose his affairs if he didn't stop his civil rights work. And I have the letter, and it says at the very beginning, and this is an anonymous letter that the family, Martin Luther King always suspected it had came from the FBI, and we later found out that it did indeed. Oh, for sure. Like, they, it was They're, confirmed that yes. they found a copy of this letter in William Sullivan. The guy said that this was a no-hold-barred thing. Mm-hmm. They suspect that he's the one who wrote it, but he had this letter, or a copy of the letter. And it says, in view of your low-grade, abnormal personal behavior, I will not dignify your name with either a mister or a reverend or a doctor and your last name calls to mind only the type of king such as king henry the eighth and his countless acts of adultery and immoral conduct lower than that of a beast so in this he's sort of phrasing it in a way that makes it suggest that he is also a person of color and so it says here no person can overcome facts. Oh, wait, I've, I've got to go back one more sentence. Your honorary degrees, however, your Nobel Prize, what a grim fart, and other awards will not save you, King. I repeat, you are done. No person can overcome facts, not even a fraud like yourself. Lend your sexual psychotic ear to the enclosure. You will find yourself in all your dirt, filth, evil and romantic talk exposed on record for all time. So this letter was sent to Martin Luther King's house, and in it was also a cassette or, or a recording. A recording. A recording mm-hmm. of encounters mm-hmm. that King had had with other people. And it said, listen to your filthy, abnormal animal. Oh, listen to yourself, you filthy, abnormal animal. So... You, it says you are on record, and you have been on record. All of your adulterous acts and gross stuff. <laughs> I don't want to say that. It's gross. Even yeah. though it's not like, uh, just read it yourself if you want. <laughs> but it's not a pleasant letter. It's a horrible letter. Oh, the way that it ends is basically, this is what a quote from it as well. Mm-hmm. King, there is only one thing left for you to do. You know what it is. You have just 34 days to do it. Mm-hmm. And so they send them. Which, and it says here, this exact number has been selected for a specific reason. It is definite. It has def, def, definite practical significance. But I think they meant significance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and um, like Coretta King, his wife. His, she's just said, yeah. We got the threat. I listened to the tape. It just sounded like mumbo jumbo to me is what she says. But it, what it sounds like is that they had evidence of his affairs and other things and mm-hmm. that they were going to blackmail him, which is also one of the things, you know, like when you get into the conspiracies, one of the conspiracies is that Martin Luther King or potentially somebody else who's part of his group was organizing this to help the movement. 
So mm-hmm. you essentially have this martyr situation that would potentially rally, you know, more people to your cause. Because what was happening, you know, if you one of the other government sort of conspiracies is that on April fourth, uh, nineteen sixty-seven, Martin Luther King made a speech against the Vietnam War and said, "Yeah, we, we shouldn't be there. It's wrong. We're doing bad things there." So uh, he makes that speech one year, to, you know, exactly to the day later, he's killed. But uh, he was losing support. So like that New York yeah. Times editor, the New York Times, the Washington Post had turned on him. Well, that he can't poor get people, people to show up to his poor people's yeah. campaign. People didn't like that. People one. are are now. He's losing his he, relevance. He, he had a huge following everybody was really happy and then the momentum's dying down and he's losing it and not getting people to to show up and so one of the theories is that well the best you know this will help if he were to to die that that would be good for the cause this is fascinating because if you fast forward to 1998 um martin luther king's son dexter gives an interview with James Earl Ray. He goes in. Oh, yeah. It's recorded. And Dexter says, did you kill my dad? And I'm sorry. I have to also say that James Earl Ray now has cirrhosis of the liver. And he's he's dying he's soon. And so Dexter says, did you kill my dad? And he goes, no, I didn't. And Dexter's like, I believe you. I believe, I think, it, you know, and essentially... So let's go back to some previous stuff. Oh, no. <laughs> in 1993, mm-hmm. two things happened. So one of them, that we'll talk about Lloyd Jowers in a first, but the first thing before that, uh, HBO created a mock trial. Yep. So James Earl Ray pled guilty. He never really had a, a trial by jury. So HBO oh, that's right. puts a, a trial together. They get a fellow by the name, I'm going to refer to him as Dr. Pepper. Uh-huh. So it's Dr. William Pepper, who was a lawyer for Martin Luther King. Okay. In 1967, he was Martin Luther King's lawyer. And his real name was He Dr. becomes Pepper? James Earl Ray's lawyer oh. in this case and goes up against a former U.S. attorney from Memphis. HBO Ooh. gives them each $100,000 to go find whatever they want to help their side. It's a $3 million production. It airs on HBO. I couldn't find a copy of this, but they do this mock trial where they go find witnesses, do whatever. It's all references to this for the, sure. The jury finds James Earl Ray not guilty. Well, So this means nothing. This right, is a fake, just fake. TV thing. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting that they had Martin Luther King's lawyer. Yes. But not super interesting when you give the fact that the family does not believe that this man Yeah, the family does not believe. And part of it, so this Dr. Pepper fellow wrote several books. He was in communication with the King family continually. Mm -hmm. But he uh, became James Earl Ray's lawyer for this. And he said, yeah, it wasn't James Earl Ray. Well, even Coretta, his wife said there is an abundant evidence of a major high-level conspiracy in the assassination. Why can't I say that word? Assassination of my husband, Martin Luther King Jr. So 
no, their whole family their didn't whole, believe that yeah. this man had killed their dad, husband. And several other people, that, a lot of other people that were there, like, I think Jesse Jackson is one, there are several people that mm-hmm. witnessed it, um, that said, yeah, that, you know, uh, that Earl Campbell, who, uh, he said, people were calling me a conspiracy nut for saying the things that I saw. Mm-hmm. And, but... Go back to 1993. They did that fake trial. But now let me introduce you to a man named Lloyd Jowers. Okay. Lloyd Jowers was the owner of Jim's Grill. And Jim's Grill was right by, like, Bessie's boarding house. Mm-hmm. Jim's Grill has a back door that opens up into a bunch of brush and whatever area right across from the Lorraine Motel. In 1993, Lloyd Jowers goes on live abc primetime live and says i know that james earl ray did not kill martin luther king and i can help tell you who did it if you'll give me immunity i'll tell you who killed martin luther king jr so he's talking to sam donaldson on primetime live i remember sam donaldson and he says that he was asked to help hire somebody to kill he says I, I was part of it somebody came to me asked me to help find somebody he says there was a man with a name that sounded like Raul that uh, ended up bringing him a rifle in a box and told him to hold on to it and that on the day of the killing somebody came got the rifle and then brought the rifle back to me and I disassembled it and hit it so he says there's a um, that he was offered a hundred thousand dollars, so he's asking for immunity, and they're like, "No, we're not giving you immunity. Like you're not getting it." So Sam Donaldson, I can't remember exactly what the question. Um, oh, I, I've got the question here, but he asks him, you know, something like, "Do you know who did it?" And he's like, "Yes." And then his attorney stops, like, "We're not answering." these oh, questions wow. until we get, so I want that link I want to watch that <laughs> so yeah you can find it on YouTube it's on it's on YouTube you can go watch the you know this was an episode of ABC primetime live and he goes on and says yeah like I I know somebody else was involved somebody else like he brought in a, a fellow by the name of Willie Akins who was a friend of his and he said you know, Willie Akins asked me to do a job. I owed him a favor. So the guy, you know, like, would murder be a favor? I know. I was like, how? Who, and he says, who's missing in this other man's he life? He says, it depends <laughs> on the person, and it depends on what you owe them, is what he ends up saying to Sam Donaldson. Oh, my goodness. But he brings up a couple other people that he says were, were like witnesses, and then he brings up a fellow by the name of Frank Liberto, who ran a grocery but supposedly somebody else on like i think it was april 8th went to the fbi and said on april 4th i overheard a guy i was at the liberto grocery store and i overheard a guy say when he's on the balcony shoot the sob and i got a brother in um new orleans will pay five thousand so he tells the FBI this on, like, I think it was April 8th. Wow. So 
this Frank Liberto was thrown out before as being involved and it being potentially a hit by organized crime people because they trace uh, Frank Liberto essentially has a brother that had a connection to, I forgot the fellow's name, but a, a guy, a, a mobster in New Orleans. So he's got a connection. But This the, makes it so tricky because, you know, a lot of conspiracy theories have so many holes oh, in yeah. them. But it's like, you know, was this a personal vendetta? Was this the government? Was this its was own it? And thing? so the government, you know, the people are going to the government, hey, what about this or Lloyd Jowers? And they're like, no, Lloyd Jowers just wants money. Like, that's their thing. Like, he just wants the fame and the money. That's the only reason he's bringing any of this up is Whoa. for fame and money. Because on that it. Sam Donaldson interview, they go talk to the, like the Memphis DA or whatever, and like, are you going to look into this? And they're like, no, we already looked into this. We know it was James Earl Ray. You know, we, wow. and he did say, we will look into this, but we're not, until we get more information, like we're not going to give this guy, you know, anything until, you know, we can confirm stuff. So this Lloyd Jowers in 1993, so all this stuff is oh, kind of fueling true. the King I mean, family to say, look, yeah. you know, what you guys are saying doesn't match up Mm -hmm. and there's a bunch of other stuff too and the problem with it a lot of it is none of it because you got like oh the invaders were there and people were saying yeah they're suspects but that doesn't match up with say like james Earl ray well what's james Earl ray doing there you know if the invaders were the ones why is he there it's easier to get a conspiracy when you can get somebody who has the power to you know say bring James Will Ray and put him in a position where you could frame him. So And truthfully, when you look at the information, it lines up so perfectly for him that it really does seem quite staged. And I mean, maybe that was his master plan, you know, oh. make it look super staged. But it really it really looks quite staged. It looks quite staged because there's so much more. Like we're already kind of over what our normal time would be. But there's a detective, Edward Reddit, who works for yeah. um, the Memphis Police Department. He's a black detective, and he was told to follow Martin Luther King. The Martin Luther King people didn't really want him following. Like, he went to the speech on the 3rd, and they're like, get out of here. Yeah, we know, they were we really, know you're spying. The the lady, um, I don't remember which one. I think it was the senator was yelling at him, telling him to get out, and he's not he's not welcome. Yeah, he. They didn't. They weren't happy that he was there. They thought, think that he's spying for the police, which he might be, because one was. of the other things that Jowers would say. I mean, he's definitely spying, uh-huh. but it's one. What he's saying is, I'm not spying. I'm protecting. You yes. know, like I'm here to make sure that nothing bad happens, whether it's to Martin Luther King or to anybody else. Mm-hmm. That's what he's saying. His you know job is. And they were actually. He was camped out. Him and his partner were camped out right next to the Lorraine Hotel. Yeah, there's a fire they, station uh-huh, that is that which, views it right nicely. So he's at the fire station on April fourth. He gets a call at the fire station, and they somebody knows that he's there. Somebody who knows that he's at the fire station calls, says, "I'm gonna kill your family." Oh yeah. He's like, "What?" The he, he Memphis Police Department away. come and grab him and say, you got to get out of there. He said, I don't want to go. Well, for your own safety, you have to leave. Yeah. 
to go pick up his family and take them no, to a hotel. No evidence, no mm-hmm. nothing with that threat ever surfaced again. No. But they came and pulled him away from the fire department before. Not only this. Oh, yeah. But there are four FBI agents who are tailing him at all times. Anytime yeah. he's anywhere, those agents are with him and they have no references to the fact of anything that they witnessed. It just says, yes, there were four that were surveilling him at did, all times. Did you know there were two black employees at that fire station that that worked there? On April 3rd, they were told, tomorrow you don't come into the fire station. No, I did not know this. They were told, you go to these other fire stations. Weird. They were, and I you mean, go that's... read the official story, and the official story is that this is all, that's just a coincidence. Like but that there's was just, way too many there's coincidences. There's so many coincidences. Coincidentally, he has the guy who can hear through the walls and knows that he's in the bathroom and and for 20 minutes without showering or, or flushing the toilet. You want to hear another one? Hands. Yeah, I do. <laughs> there's a fellow by the name of Donald Wilson. Donald Wilson was an FBI agent. He was a pretty new FBI agent at the time. So it, he... Um, when they find, which I think it was in Atlanta, Atlanta, when they find the white Mustang of, of James Earl Ray, mm-hmm. when they find his white Mustang, Donald Wilson is there. Donald Wilson said that when he went to the Mustang and opened it up, he found a handful of papers that he kept. Didn't show anybody Why? for 30 years. That seems illegal. It seems illegal. It seems weird. There were links on there that were supposed to take you to pictures of these papers, and the links were dead. But the investigation in 2000, when they were looking into this, they they say, yeah, he had two papers. We looked at him. One of the documents is a portion of a torn page from a 1963 Dallas telephone directory. Oh, my word. It has handwritten entries and information associated with President Kennedy's assassination, including the telephone numbers of Jack Ruby, the man who murdered Lee Harvey Oswald, and the Hunt family, which is E. Howard Hunt, who some (laughs) have alleged was involved in the President's murder, which E. Howard Hunt says it was a different guy who used to work for the government, but... Uh, and the other document is a piece of paper that has two handwritten columns and notations, the first of words, the second of numbers, neither of which appears to have a connection to Dr. King's assassination. Both documents have handwritten entries with the name Raul. So this is, so when I look at this guy, everyone has too many, too many names in there for me to remember what yeah. the names are. James Earl. James Earl Ray, Ray. is one of the big uh, you know, I, I do get Lee Harvey Oswald vibes because Lee Harvey Oswald, you know, when you go through his, his history and his past, it seems like he has a certain type of personality that it doesn't seem to match with James Earl Ray's personality. But it seems like um, the manipulation capability. Do you remember how they were doing those studies to see yeah. if people could be manipulated? Who did those studies? <laughs> Who paid for oh, no. the study? People coming in our. <laughs> <laughs> We're live, everybody. We're live. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it really is kind of fascinating that they were doing these studies to see who would be good targets, and 
if you believe these conspiracy theories, which I have to be honest, I lean towards believing that there are some conspiracy theories. Um, like I, I, I seem like look through some of this candidates. stuff, and all I can think is, how can you not at least entertain? I know the the idea. Like the, to dismiss it seems like you're the crazy one. Like I and, get, and if we're not here next week, everybody, <laughs> that's right. I'm gonna put a handful of papers in my car, and I'm gonna I'm gonna have you look for them. And I put the, the name have, of the person who killed Jack Ruby on the papers. <laughs> I have elementary school ch- children. I have more than a handful of papers in my car. <laughs> Lots of cute drawings, but, but yeah, ugh, I ooh, it gives it's almost like chills, like just how all of these pieces seem to be clicking together. When I, you know, we learn a little bit about here and learn a bit about there, because I do think we so easily uh, periscope these things, where we com- compartmentalize Martin Luther King and then we compartmentalize JFK, and we forget that he was assassinated, like five years before Martin Luther King. That's that's fairly quick for assassinations. Why can I not say that? Uh, but there are also other assassinations like at Robert the time. Like Robert Kennedy yeah. who died just months after mm-hmm. Martin Luther King. And, and it, it was kind of like a thing to do. So to say, I don't know, that that, that was their go-to option. I don't, but again, I feel when you read into Lee Harvey Oswald and you read the surrounding stories, it does have a heavy government leaning, which is weird because he's the president of the United States and yet it still has a really heavy government lean to it. But this one, I feel like it's like sixes where it could be, you know, some really influential person who is just completely racist or it could be the government. That's the best I say that the best thing about this one is that everything makes sense. Yes. Because you could easily say, you know, like James Earl Ray by himself. I mean, I could see if it. Crazy. If any of this is mm-hmm. true, where he has a map to Martin Luther King's home. And it would make more sense to me if Lee Harvey Oswald had done that. Had done it. Because this guy <laughs> yeah. does not make sense with the information that I've come across, which isn't. The, the one that potentially did make sense was, okay, if this was for money. Because one of the things that his brother, his brother, they go and talk to these guys as part of the second investigate. You know, when they're looking into this in the Committee of Assassinations or whatever, when the government goes and talks to his brothers, his brothers say, look, you think he killed him for, you know, racist, whatever? If there's not money involved, he didn't do it. I'll tell you that much. Mm-hmm. Like, that's all. And all of his crimes robberies well, and don't whatever. forget Coretta was a scorn like she was a woman scorned yeah <laughs> so it's like uh and you've got these groups you've got you, lots of you, lots of potential you got theories. the government who's is potentially mad at him for mm-hmm. you know, number one so Memphis police are are on the oh, conspiracy they suspect had people list. following him too if, if you looked oh that was reddit yeah. uh, well no they had other people actually yeah. as well so for whatever reason too there happened to be, for some unknown reason, there were 13 army people at, I think it was at Jim's Grill oh my when this happened as well. And people, like, there are so many. It's got great food. Yeah. There's great food there. Great food. As, it... as Jim is dismantling the weapon by his own admission, there's yeah. a bunch of military people in his bar. And Dr. Pepper. Grill. If you could trust Dr. Pepper, Dr. Pepper says that was the second option. 
if they didn't get them with the first option, these these they were army groups were in? the second option, is what oh, he says. But he that. says a lot of weird stuff. Like it, it, some mm-hmm. of the stuff is to the point where you're like, okay. That the you're, third you're option lines was that... a monkey that had a hat on. That <laughs> yeah, exactly. Go across the wires and then. <laughs> but there's also this other stuff that I just think, how do you not? But there really are so many in this because you really, people are saying, no, this was literally him sacrificing himself for his movement. Because after this happened, number one, oh. there was a huge yeah. Oh, yeah. response mm-hmm. and mostly violent. There, a lot of people died. I think it was only Maybe like four people died. The invaders. But there were hundreds of people starting fires. I think across the nation, a hundred cities had uh, oh, really? riots and mm-hmm. fires. I, I don't think they all had fires, but like in Chicago, there were 120 fires set. Uh, Memphis had tons. They they called out something like 65,000 National Guard people across the United wow. States after this. But at, you know, there there appeared to be uh, gains made for. The, the civil rights movement after this. So people bring up and say, well, it could have been beneficial. He makes a couple references wow. in his last speech that he makes the day before saying, you know, I might not be here very long. He makes a reference to, I almost died. He, had he, he had attempts on his life before? Yeah, he had had his house bombed before. Whoa. But he brings up in the speech he got stabbed with a letter opener that That's almost right. went and pierced his aorta mm-hmm. and he says like I almost died I, they, they told me I was a sneeze away from dying and I'm so glad that I didn't die because then I wouldn't have been here and he brings up some of his things and I wouldn't have been here tonight wow. and then he says you know if you I had, know we're going to make it I might not be around but we're going to make it true but imagine the massive amount of threatening letters this man is getting yeah so I imagine he probably well he had a bomb threat on his way oh, to Memphis on his way to Memphis so he probably isn't completely, I mean, it's probably in the back of his mind at oh, all times. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. And I think he, one of the things that I saw said that he had heard or, or knew that there were bounties placed on his head as oh well. Oh my gosh. So, And once you know that, yeah. I mean, I would start speaking that way as well. I mean, how do you not? And, no. and that's the thing is like, you can make mm-hmm. anything seem, okay, that's kind of nutty to think, you know. To think anything but whatever you can you can say that about almost anything because circumstantially yeah with like the bushes being cut down if mm-hmm. you're the police and you're like well we're looking for evidence it's hard for us to see we mow it all down then we can find any traces of evidence because they go but you can't after you've mowed something down because it leaves little shards yeah of, and your of, footprints and, and your whatever footprints else and you're you've taking the branches like so, I, am, I understand, but I also don't think that I understand. And there's a lot of uh, weird things, like the bundle. People bring up the bundle oh, that he God. dropped. Why They're like, well, why did he drop bundle? his bundle? And it, it wasn't even like, his oh, well, car he was, was running close. And, yeah. Why like, doesn't just he just take it to his the car? Bundle and, and then turns around and runs away. And the, the official reason that they said is, well, he's taking his bundle. He's going to his car. He gets to the door. He sees people potentially like police officers or the army he sees people and it's like well i i don't want him to see me with this because it's big enough to hold the gun so but he dropped it at the door at the door 
So I don't know. Like, there's so many weird things. And he didn't wipe any prints off. He didn't wipe any prints, which on a lot of stuff makes sense. Like, if you got the gun, but if you think you're going to make it to the car, but why yeah. would you have a newspaper? What could you why possibly you be saving the newspaper for? With tags from the dry cleaner on. Yeah, like a lot of the stuff just doesn't make sense. And it's so it weird. It seems because more the, likely that he left the underwear in an order somewhere. And so they're like, here's this extra underwear. <laughs> oh, we'll use that. Like, or fake it, I suppose, is also a possibility. <laughs> and you have like all these things that there are things that you can't necessarily know. Like the name Raul is brought up several times. Mm-hmm. So you got like the Donald Wilson, the FBI guy who says, oh, I found these pieces of paper. Well, they don't necessarily match up with other you know stories. They have the name Raul, mm-hmm. but in theory you could say, well, uh, James Earl Ray has been saying the name Raul since three days after he got mm-hmm. put in jail. Is he saying it was this guy named Raul, this guy named Raul? So when you ask, well, how does Lloyd Jowers know? Well, it could have been out there already. Lloyd Jowers yeah. could have a lot of information. Well, it could and be people legit. tend it, to, you know, when they lie, they tend to interdisperse it with truth. So maybe there really was a Raul. Maybe there really yeah. was an arms situation. And maybe he still did this on the side. And, and a lot he of just this, knew how to get the guns that he needed. So Lloyd Jowers, when he's saying this, this is in 1993. You know, this is however many years after the fact. This is 25 20. years after the fact. Like, maybe your memory isn't, you know, as and focused. That is there could so still tough. be something there. Mm-hmm. But... And and why in the world would people not bring this up beforehand? Yeah. Because, I mean, you might bring it up to your friends, but, I mean, why wouldn't you, and I'm I'm being really critical because maybe, maybe this is just not what you think of, but write a letter to somebody and, and try and get the information to somebody. Well, I mean, if you're Lloyd Jowers and you're saying that you were involved, it makes sense that you wouldn't and you'd hide it. say anything. I think Earl uh, Caldwell, the reporter, is implying you don't go against the narrative. You know, when they tell you this is the narrative, you say well, what the narrative is. Well, they do see what the possibility of the outcome that's is. That's right. So that's true. I imagine that's a little intimidating if that's what you think is really happening. And like, and so it's really hard to know who to trust. But that's, like, for conspiracy theory stuff, this is, like, to me, like, the highest standard because everything makes sense. Mm -hmm. There's so many weird things. You got somebody stepping in saying, I was involved. It definitely wasn't James Earl Ray. Mm -hmm. You got a trial, a mock trial, where they were like, yeah, there's not enough evidence to convince him. Mm -hmm. The guy's saying, I didn't do it. And he's saying it as he's about to die. Yeah, all the way Mm -hmm. till his death, you know, aside from the three days where he's saying, I was coerced. Mm-hmm. I was told they were coming after my family and that if I didn't do this, they'd come after my family and I'd get the death penalty. And that also doesn't work because if he's a, if he really is a crazy guy, then you don't believe him when he says those things. Yeah. And so it, there's no solid groundwork anywhere in this story. Because even when you have JFK, you have a little bit of like places to stand with information, you know, Somebody was in a particular spot. You know that they evaluated where the bullet came from. You know, you know this. And was there a second shooter? Oh, there could have been a second shooter. This has this has nothing. Everything's a cloud. Everything's fog. Every nothing. Everything's is, fog. Nothing the, is the clear. The official thing that does seem to be clear: there was one shot fired. 
Yes. So there's no disputing that. Uh, James Earl Ray was in the city. There's not mm-hmm. really any disputing that. Nope. There, there are several and things. And he has aliases. That, that aren't disputed. He has several aliases. running from the law. Which there were some, some things about the aliases that you can get into that are really kind of weird as oh, well. No. So one of them, they're saying he used an alias of a person that his brothers knew, but that he had never met before. So that's one of the reasons they're saying, look, we think he might have been conspiring with his brothers because he's using this name that one of his brothers went to jail with a guy with the same name. And he, but he also doesn't feel that feels normal. It feels kind of, but then like the Eric Galt one, Mm -hmm. this is all crazy hearsay. So this is from a a tinfoil hatter, Uh but they're saying that, that Eric Galt name, was the name of, uh, he, he had an ID that had the name Eric Galt on it. And Eric Galt also, there was an Eric Galt that had high-level government clearance at the time. So he was crossing into what? Canada and back what? with this Eric Galt ID. And they're saying, oh, no. yeah, the reason that, that, you know, that name is significant is because you don't get questioned if you're a high-level. So... I don't know that there's any truth to that because I couldn't find anything official. But one of the tinfoil hatters out there was like, this exact name was also. And and I do see in my notes that Martin Luther King lived in Atlanta when he was killed. Um, but it, the thing that was confusing to me about Eric Galt is that he had multiple fake passports. And I think maybe it was easier back then. I was probably didn't that have all this stuff. You probably could get a little laminate paper and cover whatever. Um, and so I kind of wondered that, but like the one that he got in Canada was an official one. It was licensed. It was issued by the Canadian government. They knew it. They did it. And if, in fact, there was a typo on the first one. Oh, no. And they put like, instead of like Sneed, they did like Snea or something. And so they had to redo his passport. Okay, but wouldn't you think that if he was trying to proclaim his innocence, he could just easily give that information and be like, I got this passport from such and such and yeah. I got it from, like, so there's, again, it's just more fog. And there's so much fog, too, because, uh, I mean, I don't know, he, he was a fugitive regardless, yep. but one of the things that they're saying, like, you know, like, why is he making so much effort to run? He's been living in the U.S. successfully, you know, undetected for a year after the assassination he, they they say he was trying to go to an African country. Yes, because they were being run by a white minority, and he thought he could have a little place in there. So, and he never made it there. But when he went to Portugal, in theory, they were saying it's because he was trying to get to this other place, and he went, and the boat had already left, so he had to go back to London. But people said, "Well, where did he get all his money?" Yeah, how do you get there? And there was a. He has a nice car. Uh, there, there, there is a like an official explanation. The official explanation is that there was a robbery. I think the mm-hmm. name was Alford, a town called Alford, which is in, uh, that's not it. But it was in Illinois. And there was a, a bank robbery that happened there. And they found two people held up this bank and got, at the time, $27,000. Mm-hmm. That bank robbery happened to be in a town where James Earl Ray's mother was buried and the weapons were dropped not far from the cemetery where his mother was buried. 
So they're mm-hmm. saying he could have got, you know, the money to buy the car, the money to do other things Familiar from this robbery. Uh, that Alton is the town. Alton, Illinois, twenty-seven thousand dollars. He he had grown up there, and the weapons were dropped not far. So you can find official explanations for anything, any question Which he you definitely want. Definitely could have been doing just as an arms dealer like yeah yeah because he also like his thing when he was saying what his official explanation is for getting the money he said i got it from raul for doing these things and he gives different times raul gave me this money on this date this money on this date this money on this date and so he has any of it twenty seven thousand dollars it was close to he i think he said he ended up getting like nine thousand dollars from raul and that he was out of money. So when he was in London, he committed two robberies while he was in London. So well, they're saying, look, he doesn't money, have money. He's got to be robbing it. places. Because that is what he was in prison for in the first place. Right. His Pretty much everything robberies. that he was in prison for was, was robberies. Not murder. Just Not robbery. murder until... But he's obviously money hungry, so he would have been somebody that you could have paid off, maybe. Another weird thing, he escaped from prison. After he was convicted, or not convicted, after he pled guilty. And I thought that was kind of interesting. I just, (laughs) because that would suggest that he has a level of intelligence that that is capable of doing, because you kind of would associate that with someone who's not super stupid. But yeah, he's obviously got an addiction to having money and not really caring He was definitely a career criminal. Mm Mm-hmm. Always, I don't know how many known, you know, robberies, but they were bringing up others like that Alton one and said, yeah. you know, he was a suspect here, here, and here. But, yeah, this one was uh, just a fascinating. Well, and there's still so much stuff that we didn't even touch. Yeah. You just, this is the skimmed surface of all of the information. I definitely did not look through the 200,000 documents. You, you can't. <laughs> And then they, they had, like, the testimonies they had. So in addition to the mock trial, there was a trial the King family brought against Lloyd Jowers for civil damages. Mm-hmm. And they had a trial there that had tons of witnesses, which is, like, I got a lot of information from that. Like, Detective Reddit is given his mm-hmm. thing. This is what happened and whatever. Like, a lot of that came from that trial. They went after Jowers, got $100 from him, and I think that's all they were looking for. They just wanted they just it to wanted be out to be there. Guilty. So what people were saying is they were just using that as a way to get the government to keep investigating, to open the investigation again. Is they, they said, yeah, we got you know, this James Earl Ray mock trial. Okay, that's not enough for you. We got this trial where Jowers was found liable for, so you got to keep investigating. But don't you find it interesting that the KKK is never in here? I know. That nobody's like, hey, the most racist organization that's like anti-black in the entire country isn't ever even brought up except in one part that says they also had informants in the KKK. Like, that's the only time it's referenced. And I think, I would think that that would be... Like the first people you look at is... Is the enemy of, of the person who was killed. And that's not, I mean, because this guy, the James Earl Ray, has no connections to the yeah, KKK. Yeah, he doesn't have any connection. Like, nothing. Never brought up ever. Never a thing. And 
I don't know. That's also a, another smoke screen because you're the government. Wouldn't you try? Like, wouldn't you be like, oh, it was these guys that hate you? Like, I, nothing. Yeah, you really mm-hmm. wonder. And you also wonder, like, when when they did this investigation that I think may have finished in 2000, but it, when they did that investigation, from the government perspective, you can easily look and say, look, this was a long time ago. Mm-hmm. You know, the people involved, they don't work here. So you could potentially be like, yeah, the the truth is, you know, it was yeah. the government and whatever. But, like, their investigation, they well, you can't basically have the government They just say, people. look, there's no, you, can't do no that. you know, the Jowers thing and the Donald Wilson, like, none of those panned out. None of them mean mm-hmm. anything. So, But they, if you have a precedent of the fact to know that the, United States government is killing United States citizens that they don't like. I mean, you can't set that precedent. No, but the, they you did. Have... So in MK Ultra, they essentially fess up and were like, "Yeah, we did this." And in the in oh, the Senate committee thing, saying. they they even officially say, "Remember, guys, this was a long time ago. So don't don't hold we're these people like we're talking now. to. Yeah, the, like they don't do this stuff anymore." I mean, they didn't. The I forgot the fellow's name that. They said committed suicide. Oh yeah. They they don't say yeah that here's what you know they were like oh that poor fella. But that was, was so still distressed that he even jumped. slightly science based. This is I don't like you. I'm gonna kill you. Yeah. That was oopsie. That like, was a science was experiment bad. gone wrong. Yeah. Like, we were looking to do good in the world yeah. by finding out. We live in a country where they're like you can say whatever you want. You cannot do whatever you want, but you can say whatever you want. Oh, except for you bug me, you're gone. Like you can't. I mean, that is a total different layer of complexity. Yeah. But, uh, fascinating, interesting, never going to come to the actual conclusion. Nope. I don't, I don't know how you could at this point, but, well, we went a little over time again. Super over time. (laughs) (laughs) That's, you got to get to all the pieces. And again, the skimmed surface pieces. Yeah. And I would have liked to have put it together in a way that it was more like, like the Dateline episodes where they string you Would along you like and you just bring up this little tidbit of we juicy did, information. Letter, remember? That's true. The letter. But it, yeah, I'd, it's been read. It wasn't. It wasn't as as big of a smoking gun as everyone was probably thinking it would be. It just didn't really fit anywhere. That's why. It is because it happened early, but it was also weird. I don't know. But <laughs> I have to be honest. Like. I'm not sure that I wouldn't write a letter if I was like, okay, here I am, the leader of somebody. Here's this person. I have to stop their behaviors. I'm going to write them a letter and tell them I'm going to tell on them. And then when they're like, the letter didn't work, we're, we're, we have to kill him. I, I, let me just write another letter. I'll just write another letter. I'll send, him, I'll send a tape. <laughs> the other thing that, you know, you can get into your tinfoil hat conspiracy sort of things is that both they, they say the New York Times and the Washington Post after he spoke out against the Vietnam War, turned on him, and you think, well, why would, you know, why would these news organizations care whether or not, uh, because several other people in the government, too, like, supposedly LBJ is, like, was pretty upset about it, that he was criticizing the Vietnam War, so it would make more sense that the government, but why would the news organizations turn on him? Unless you get into that tinfoil hat conspiracy thing where you're like, 
well, the news organizations are just, you know, the fourth branch of the government or whatever. Oh, only if you're a Democrat, which they were. <laughs> <laughs> Lyndon B. That's right. Democrat. That's hilarious. Anyway. And it's kind of well, well, yeah, let's, we'll end. Let's wrap it up. <laughs> we could go on on random tangents forever. We'll save it for the next one. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. See ya. Bye.